And now, please welcome Worship Pastor Brad Sanders. I'll have, I'll have my Christmas wish list for me personally after the service if you guys will just uh, come up. There's just not a lot of things, just, just a few things on there. Before I start, I just want to, um, it's really cool this morning to be able to see Dalton up there um, playing acoustic guitar. He was supposed to play uh, a while back and then had his accident, so what a blessing it is, Dalton, to see you up there doing that. You did a great job, buddy. It's always cool to, to see, um, uh, you know, youth, students, young people up here uh, doing that uh, anyway. So what a blessing to be here this morning. Um, I'm a little hungry, so I brought some, uh, some chips. You guys like chips? I just got the regular Lay's ones. My wife likes the, the uh, cheddar and sour cream, but those are trash. So, <laughs> yep, those are good. You're welcome. You're always a blessing. So are these chips. So, you know, I was thinking this week, how can I start out this sermon that is, you know, Brad, because I don't ever do anything normal, um, even at home. Hey, easy over there, whoever said that. You know, one thing that I notice about these chips that actually has something in common with the passage in Romans today, we're going to continue on. Uh, with Pastor Mike's series on Romans. It's the last half of chapter two. And you're going to see when we read through this in just a minute that this bag of chips and the Jews in chapter two have something in common. I know, I'm going to get real deep and theological here, all right? So stay with me. No, they're not salty. (laughs) I mean, these are, but... What is something you notice about these chips when you go by them? Yes, but there you go. So when you buy these chips, they're all puffy, right? And they look like they're just full of chips, and then you open it up and you realize that's, that's how much chips are in there. It looks one way on the outside, but is uh, a little bit different once you open it up and, and get in there. These are good. Here, Dalton, you want these? Take the whole bag. Oh, my God. See, someone else's hand has been in there, so I am done now. I am a germaphobe. The Jews in Romans chapter 2, this last half, are a lot like that bag of chips. They look one way when you see them in their appearance, but when you look inward, you realize that what's on the inside does not match what's on the outside. And we're going to see that today as we continue this series, The Righteous Live by Faith uh, out of Romans. So if you have your Bibles with you or your your phones or your iPad or whatever, open it up to Romans chapter 2. And I'm going to read the entire passage. It's verses 17 uh, through 29. We're going to read the whole thing at one time, and then we're going to come back and look um, at some of these verses uh, one or two at a time. So it starts off, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, If you know his will and approve of what is superior because you were instructed by the law, if you convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, 
an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then... If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code in circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. I told Mike when I realized this was um, the the section of Romans I was going to be preaching, I was like, thanks a lot, because this is brutal. So thank you. You Just wait till you get to chapter four, and and you will have a fun Sunday um, as well. What we're learning here, that microphone hates me this morning. Um, what we're learning here at the end of chapter two is, is, is a pretty simple principle. And that is that Christianity is not just about rules. It's about a relationship. And the Jews and the Pharisees in this time right here were kind of missing the boat on that. Because they did all of these things and everybody saw them and they thought, look what I'm doing. I'm at the temple. Look, I gave. I'm keeping the law, or at least I'm teaching about keeping the law. And they're being called out here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. This is another uh, something that, that Paul wrote. He made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And what he's talking about is that it's all fine and well to follow the law. We should follow the rules. We should, but that's not what saves you. What saves you is by the Spirit of God, is a relationship with God, not the rules. You can follow the rules all day long, but that is not going to get you to heaven. So let's look a little uh, more deeply this morning into this. And we're going to be in Romans 2 a lot, so just keep, keep your hand there. We're going to look at the first two verses. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew... If you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law. So Paul spells out four different ways here uh, that the Jews, these people are getting tripped up, okay? The first one was pride. Anybody ever struggle with that? No no one that struggles with pride is going to raise their hand because they're like, I don't struggle with that. I am, you know whatever. We all struggle here occasionally. See, the Jews here, they were basically telling everyone how great they were. They're like, look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm following the law. I give. I come to the temple when I'm supposed to. 
I certainly don't associate with those people over there. I've got it all figured out. They had pride in their heart. Well, in Luke chapter 18, I find this uh, really interesting. They get called out. This is Jesus talking. He says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like all these other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector, because they were really bad. That's what they were doing. They were saying, look at me. I'm great. And yeah, maybe I mess up from time to time, but I'm not like Michael. You know, I'm not like Lynn. You know, I may struggle with something here and there, but I'm, I'm not doing what he's doing. So it's really not that bad. They were a little too proud. And what happens is when pride begins to infiltrate our hearts, we begin to believe those things that we tell ourselves. And that leads to arrogance. That leads to us thinking we're better than everyone else. And that's going to continue on in verse 19. If you are convinced that you are a God for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Pride took over in their heart, and they were teaching these things, but they weren't doing them themselves. And Paul is calling them out. We do that from time to time, don't we? We, we don't practice what we preach. We become filled with pride. We become arrogant. And then it leads to us being fake or counterfeit. Continuing on, verse 21. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? They were fake. Because he's saying, hey, you're telling people not to do this, but you're doing it. See, they love to point out sin in other people while they ignored what was going on in their own lives. And Jesus warned about this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 3. Jesus says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. You see, they looked the part. They looked like they had it all figured out, but inside, they weren't. Going back to the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that have been taught. See, they were proud and they were arrogant and they were fake, and then they became legalistic. All they cared about was looking right, was following the rules. And again, being a follower of Jesus is not about following rules. It's about a relationship. Should we follow rules? Well, sure. But that can't be the only thing. 
it can't just be about the rules because if it's only about the rules, there's no grace. And if there's no grace, why did Jesus come? Rules are good, but by themselves, rules are not enough. Let's continue on. Verse 23, chapter 2 in Romans. You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Paul is referencing a passage back in Isaiah chapter 52 here. Verse 5, specifically. The Israelites were in captivity. And if you know the story, even if you've just seen the Ten Commandments and you know the story of the Israelites being uh, basically lost for what seemed like generations because they, they just never could seem to do the right thing. That's what he's referencing here because what happened is because of their mistakes, the, the people around the Jews, the non-Jews were looking at them and saying, so your God is the one true God, but, but you're still in captivity and you're still lost and but he's real God. If, if he was the real God, wouldn't he save you? And they begin to mock them and mock God because of the Jews, the Israelites' actions. And we do this too. How many people, I want you to raise your hand, if you have any type of social media at all? Bunch of sinners. <laughs> social media is not bad. How you use social media. So, this is one of my biggest pet peeves when I get on there. And, and some people don't even have social media because they say, you know, I don't want any of the negativity. But when you're on social media, and this is particularly any time during an election year is the absolute worst. Because everybody has opinions, and opinions are okay. Opinions aren't bad. But we as Christians need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And so what drives me crazy is when I know someone who I know is a follower of Jesus, not act like a follower of Jesus on social media. When, this will be the last time I get to preach, because um, <laughs> this is fixing to get real. So, you know, candidate A and candidate B running for president, okay? And as Christians, and we think that candidate A is God's person and God chose this person. Guys, God doesn't care who is the president of any country in the world. You know why? Because this world is not our home. We are destined for heaven. Now, while we're here, do we need to follow the rules of the land? Yes, we do. And we need to respect and honor these people, even when it's not our candidate. But when I see people who claim to be followers of Jesus, who are putting down people who are, who are not for their candidate, it drives me crazy. Because you know what? That is not leading them to Jesus. And when you see that, what happens is, is that person who does not agree with you says, well, you say you're a follower of Jesus, but you, you treat me like this, or, you know, whatever your actions were. They begin to mock you, and they mock God. It's the same thing that happened in Isaiah 52. It's the same thing that happened with the Israelites when they wandered around for 40 years. Because of their actions, God was blasphemed. And we do that. So we have choices. We have two choices. We have two ways that we can be righteous before God. Romans 2, starting in verse 25. Circumcision has value 
if you observe the law. But if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you, who even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. So our first choice is that we can follow the law to the T. We can prove our worth by outward signs like circumcision. The Jews were very proud of the fact that they were God's people and that they were circumcised, that there was a covenant made between them and God, and circumcision is what showed that covenant. Now, I'm not going to go deep into circumcision, number one, because I don't want to. Uh, And number two, because Mike gets to preach on it in chapter four. So I'm going to let him deal with that because I don't, I don't, I don't think that's uh, something I want to talk about today. Um, but we fall into this trap too, maybe not with circumcision, but we fall into this trap because we think, well, I come to church two or three times a month and I'm in a group. And, you know, back when I was 12, I was baptized and, you know, I give um, from time to time. And, uh, you know, once a month I serve back in Journey Kids, so I'm good. No, not one of those things will save you. Not one of those things will get you to heaven. It's a relationship. It's not about tradition. It's not about rules. And it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. So we can try to follow the law. We can try to do everything by the book. But I hate to tell you how that story ends. And it, you will fail. We, will fa- we, we can't do it. No matter how much we want to, we can't do it. So choice number two is an inward faith. We have to have faith. Let's finish it out. Verse 28. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly. And you could take the word Jew out and put Christian there. A person is not a Christian who is one only outwardly. Nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No. A person is a Jew or a Christian who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code, not by the law. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. We need to focus on our relationship with God. We need to follow the rules. We need to, obviously the Ten Commandments are in the Old Testament, but just because Jesus came and fulfilled the law doesn't mean that we shouldn't still pay attention to those. We don't need to go around killing people. We don't need to steal and lie and you know, put, put things before God. Those are still good to follow. But it can't just be that. We have to focus on our relationship with God because he is way more interested in our hearts than what rules we followed. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, this is an interesting uh, little passage. You see, David is not yet king, and he is the youngest of all his brothers, and there is another brother who is tall and is handsome. And then this happens. But the Lord said to Samuel, because Samuel was going to anoint the next king, the next king, do not consider his appearance or his height. This was a good-looking guy. He was like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he just looked like a king. For I, God, have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
And that works both ways. You see, uh, I think it, you pronounce it Eliab, was a good-looking guy, and he just looked like he should be a king because he was tall and he was handsome. And God said, no, 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 no. I, I don't look at the outside. I want, I want what's in here. So I want, I want that youngest brother, David, the, the little one. That's, that's who I want. And it's, it works the same way on the other side, too. You know, how many times we come to church and we see someone that, you know, we don't like, and I, I'm guilty of this, too. Or, you know, say a, a homeless person comes to church and they smell and they, they just don't fit here. If we treat them the way that God does, we don't see what's on the outside. We only see what's here. So I want to challenge you this morning. Don't just look the part. It's easy to look the part sometimes, isn't it? To look like you've got it all together and, you know, you serve and you're on safety this week and next week you're in Journey Kids and, you know, you give to the church. And if there's, you know, a group, maybe you're involved in that group and, and, and you come when we have a special event and, and you know, if we're raising uh, money or, or maybe bringing items like, like what we're doing right now um, and, and people are bringing items and, and you say, well, I, I brought the mouthwash and I brought the toothpaste and the comb and, and all that stuff. That's easy. But it's what's on the inside. What does your heart look like? Don't be that Lay's chip bag. Don't just look good on the outside sitting on a shelf. Make sure what's on the inside matches what's on the outside. So I want to challenge you. If, if, if this is something you struggle with, which we all do from time to time, I want you to, I want you to come to God today. It doesn't mean you have to leave your seat. There's going to be people praying up front and in the back, and they would love to pray for you. Doesn't, it doesn't mean that you don't have it all together. We're all sinners. But come to God. He'll be your shelter. He'll forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He'll forgive you as many times as you ask for it. There's a beautiful psalm. In psalm 57. It says, have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. If you need a shelter this morning, you're in the right place. It's like Pastor Mike talked about last week. Yes, every one of us in here, we're just a bunch of hypocrites. But you know what? We're hypocrites at the front of the line at church saying, you know what? I'm not perfect and I don't have it all together and I'm going to mess up. I messed up last week. I'm going to mess up later today. I'm going to mess up tomorrow. But our God is faithful and our God is true. He wants to forgive you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are faithful and true. That even when, even when I make the same mistake over and over again, you are right there saying, my child, I love you. I love you. Father, help us. Help our heart to match what people see on the outside. Help us to 
Help us to follow you the way that you want us to. Help us not to be fake. Help us be all about the relationship and not the rules. Father, you are our shelter. No matter what is going on in our life, no matter what we've done, you are our shelter. We thank you that we can run to you and be in the shadow of your wings. You'll throw your arms around us. You'll love us and say, my child, it's okay. I've got you. I forgive you. Father, I pray right now, everybody in this room, you already know how you've spoken to each one of us this morning, what's in our hearts. Father, I pray that we would respond to you today. In your precious and holy name I pray.